Welcome to the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast, episode 507. We're getting close. By the end of the week, a couple days, we'll hit 100,000 downloads. That's pretty awesome. Please go to racefortheprize.com. That's racefortheprize.com. That's where you'll find everything. How do I get to the Fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet? How do I sign up at the Patreon? How do I get to the live show or YouTube? Or maybe I want to go to the Constrained Vision and get weird and see some of the interesting entertainment or just get an education to get some information. Maybe you don't. Maybe you just need to go to patreon.com slash DFS. Sign up, subscribe, get the tools, get the resources, support the podcast, support the videos. Today, we're talking about Las Vegas. We're talking Talking about the cup, we're going to try to find some values by looking at pit data. Okay, you're with me. It's going to be a busy week. Las Vegas, Xfinity, trucks, cup, practices, qualifying, wall-to-wall, crazy. We've got to do our homework now. We've got to do our research now. We've got to start cramming so that you can make those quick decisions. Now, one of the things that I want to do in this video is possibly find some value plays and possibly find some value plays that aren't going to be targeted. And then also maybe leverage plays or low-owned plays. The guys that we're talking about, Austin Dillon, Daniel Suarez, Eric Jones, weren't very highly owned last week. And I really believe they're not going to be highly owned this week. And, well, you're just going to play them to play them based on low ownership? I hope not. I hope that we can find some data that validates them and says that, hey, there was a reason why they performed. You know, I got a comment, and I read the comments. I read the feedback. That's how I created this spreadsheet. I, I've developed, I mean, over all the years, I listened to your constructive criticism. I try to help you help myself make the spreadsheet better, and that's how I made this pit data sheet. It was a response to a guy like, hey, I'd like to see the, you know, the spots gained for each pit stop. Boom, did it. You can see every single pit stop, net gains for the entire race, net gains on each stop. I got it together. I respond to your feedback. I'm trying to get better. You can try to get better. Please support the podcast at patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Subscribe. If you're listening on Spotify, Amazon, or Apple, thank you. I appreciate it. Please subscribe. Please share, like. But you also should jump over to YouTube so you can see this data. You really should go to patreon.com slash DFS so you can go over the data yourself and manipulate the data. And hopefully with this data, maybe we can find a reasonable explanation for why Suarez and Jones and Austin Dillon and other drivers excelled. The response, one of the responses that I got was, well, why even do research or homework? It's all just random. I get that. You know, I have often that pessimistic, that curmudgeon, all whatever attitude. But not really. When I have that, it's more of just a questioning everything. My attitude would be perceived by most as they, everyone thinks I'm pessimist. Everyone thinks that I am negative. It's not. It's just that I question authority. I, I, I question people who think they know everything. I, I have doubts. I doubt everyone. And the first person that I always doubt is myself. The first person that I always question is myself. When I have an idea or think I want to do something, that voice in my head immediately says, why if you're wrong? No, it's not going to work. What if you're wrong? How do you know that? And that's a terrible way to live. Don't live that way. I don't encourage anyone to follow that philosophy. But when you always have that doubt and questioning and pushing yourself to think harder and reverse things around and really question your own beliefs, it makes you improve and develop in a lot of different ways, especially in fantasy NASCAR. Now, I don't think you should do that. I'll do that for you. I'll be the person who's going insane on your screen every single day and getting the information and then you can just take the information and live the happy-go-lucky life but so to the question was why even do homework what if it's just random what if you're wrong what if it wasn't random did you think about that i mean it's a good point I think the immediate reaction was, oh, there was tire fails, there was attrition, there's just Suarez, and those guys just got lucky. That is a valid view. I think that's a reasonable uh, explanation of what happened during the Fontana race. But the next thought in my head, because I'm right there with you, the next thought in my head is, but what if it wasn't? 
What if there's a reason why Austin Dillon ran well? What if there's a reason why Suarez ran well? And there could be a lot of different reasons. But one of the things that we could hone in on and look at right now without knowing other things with a small sample size, small sample size alert, just uh, this is the first thing. If you're doing really good at criticizing and questioning, Nalias in verba, the motto of the Royal Society, question everything. Take no one's word for it. Don't take my word for it. And if you are questioning and you are critical of these videos, I'm starting to get some dislikes, which is good. And normally all likes, that's actually a bad thing because that means I'm just getting the same people over and over. As I start to increase the dislikes, it's good. It means that other people are now finding out about this channel. They're finding out about these videos. So keep the dislikes coming. Be critical. And the one critical thing that I would criticize myself, and I'm already doing this, is that this is a small sample size. You're taking one race, Fontana, and then trying to extrapolate it and predict the future. That's a terrible idea. Small sample sizes in life, small sample sizes in DFS, especially in Fantasy NASCAR, it's a horrible idea. But as long as we're cognizant of what we're doing and we're aware that, hey, this is a small sample size, this could really go wrong, uh, the whole results could flip on top of their head for this Las Vegas race that is coming up. And we need to make sure that we step back and reflect and evaluate that before we make decisions and after we make our decisions on Sunday. And we say, all right, that was a bad idea. We overreacted to Fontana. And maybe you don't overreact ahead of time. And you say, I'm not ready to get into this. But as long as you're aware of sample sizing and thinking things through, it is okay. But you got to be honest with yourself. You can't make up excuses after the fact. All right, so that would be the critical point uh, of being criticized or criticizing this video already would be it's a small sample size to look at this pit data. I'm with you, so be careful before you hit your wagon to I'm going to make all my value plays based on pit step data. All right, small sample size. Sorry. Austin Dillon had a good week. Doesn't mean he's necessarily going to have a good week. So if you are listening and if you're watching, if you're watching, you can see that Austin Dillon had the best day in terms of gains. Four net spots gained throughout the day. You can see all the spots that he gains and loses. Almirola. Third, second with three spots net gain. Kozlowski, two net gain. Todd Gillen, two net gain. This might seem like low numbers to you. So here's where I'll explain some of the data without revealing all of my secrets. One secret that I will reveal. Not really a secret, just what you should do. Um, if you are looking at the sheet, hopefully you've gone to raceforthepries.com and then Brandon Cruz and signed up to Patreon and you can look at this stuff yourself. But if you are looking at the sheet and you can see averages, one of the things that I did do with averages is because when we're looking at average times, we need to compare apples to apples. And what we really are trying to evaluate is who has a fast pit crew, who is executing on pit road. So we need to make sure that we're just evaluating four tire stops to four tire stops. That's easy to do with the data, but also four tire regular stops versus four tire regular stops, not four tire and a wedge adjustment or four tire and I got into the wall and four tire and whatever. So through formulas, this averages are four tire just pure stops to the best that I can. I can tweak it a little bit, but right, you know, if someone has a 90 second pit stop, that is going to throw off their whole average for the day. Then it's going to mislead and leave people to go, oh, well, they've got a bad pit crew. No, the guy had three 12 second stops and a 90 second because they had to make a wedge adjustment and it averages out to something like 40 seconds. So they're terrible. Well, no. So I've done that with averages. Now, when I go to net gains, I don't make those changes. You could, but there's so much context. And that's why you need to go to raceforthepries.com so you can get access to not just the fantasy NASCAR spreadsheet, but the notes and all the details, all the context that surrounds it. Now, even if you don't do that, you can, well, hopefully you've done that. Even if you don't want to go through the notes, and even if you don't want to really watch the races, I get it. 
Uh, you can also go into the pit data and all the pit stops are here. So you can look one by one and get a decent idea of when was the pit stop? What was going on? Why did they lose so many spots? And you can try to build your own context. Now, with that being said, I throw out the data for averages. I do not throw out the bad pit stops for net gains. I'm not doing that because there's too many ifs and buts. And you guys say, well, you're going to count those, but you're not going to count those. And so I am just going to leave them in. And since I am leaving them in, just like I said before, that would make someone have like a 40-second pit road average on the end of the day. That's why you're going to see some guys with some really big negative stops, like Daniel's Ricky Stenhouse at the end of the day was minus 32. Well, that was because he just lost spots all freaking day. A better example would be someone like uh, Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch finished minus 59. And he really wasn't very good at the end of the day either. But the key point here with Kyle Busch would be look at lap 19. Where do I, do I have it sorted by numbers at any point? No. Yeah, here it is. So on lap 19, 18, lap, lap 36, lap 36, and then 19, 36. Uh, Kyle Busch loses 18 spots. That's a huge chunk that he lost there because he was dealing with the issue. Look, he lost 31 spots on lap 16. He loses another 18. Now, he could be the fastest car. He could get back on the lead lap, and he could gain spots on pit road all day, and his pit crew could be amazing. But his net gain would still be a big loss because of the mechanical issue. So you just got to make sure that you're looking at these and understanding that the net sum, probably not the best number to look at, right? On the end of the day, Austin Dillon gained four spots. More important would be to look at individual stops. I mean, obviously that's good, but I wouldn't overreact to big negative numbers. So it's not that he was negative 59 on the day. The bigger issue was that he was negative on the day. But considering that he had mechanical issues that he was dealing with, it's not surprising to see him constantly getting these negative numbers. A negative one on a sixth stop, loses a spot on a seventh stop, loses a spot on his eighth stop. I'm reading this out loud because some people are listening to the audio version. I'm sorry, I haven't been saying everything I'm looking at. But you want to look at stop by stop would be your best bet if you're trying to look at the net gains. You really don't want to get too hung up on the net summary. It does give us a good idea of sorting, but you got to remember that some of these guys had good days on pit road. Like Denny Hamlin had a really good day on pit road, had one really bad stop. Maybe that was, that was more than likely because he was involved in a wreck or a situation. I would have to go and look, maybe he had a major change, but overall he was positive on pit road. His first stop, he gained a spot, two spots, three spots, four spots, three stops. If, if we net gain this, let's just look at his first eight he was only minus eight. He was only minus eight. But he's got these big numbers, which reveal to me that maybe they were making big adjustments. Maybe there was something going on. Maybe they're taking two tires, four tires. Other things were happening. But you do like to see positive stops overall. You really want to see who they just get it right every single time. Um, and here's a takeaway for Austin Dillon. He didn't have any bad stops. Yes. And that's encouraging. That's a big deal. Part of my hypothesis here, and hopefully I can prove this right or wrong, and if it's right, great, then Austin Dillon is going to be someone I'm going to target because I don't believe anyone's going to play Austin Dillon this week. He'll still be cheap. He wasn't in the optimal lineup. I believe the sentiment still is, oh, he just got lucky because other cars wrecked out. My theory is, okay, well, what if you're wrong? And what if everyone is wrong and they really don't do the due diligence, they don't put in the work? Then I can leverage that by outworking you. Not the smartest fantasy player. Not the smartest guy at anything that I do. 
The only way that I survive is by outworking you. And so when you think your super brain says, oh, Austin Dillon just got lucky, and then you stop working, well, that's an advantage to me because my ability to question everything and then to follow that up with working an insane amount, maybe I can find a play here. And Austin Dillon seems like a play. So what I'm looking at, this may not stand out to you, but there's two things that I can take away here. One with Austin Dillon, his pit crew's fast. He did have a bad stop on his final stop, losing three spots. But overall, positive gain one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. On eight of his ten stops, he either gained spots or did not lose spots. That is impressive. That is something that is very encouraging. Second thing that I want to point out, he doesn't have any big numbers that are red. It does not look like Austin Dillon had to make any significant setup changes. That is going to go overlooked by most people. Like, oh, he was good on pit road. Well, guess what? Some of these big numbers are because the setup was wrong and they had to make some serious changes. This infers, we don't know for sure, Austin Dillon's car must have been okay. They never had to make any significant changes. Now, you can go a step further, look at his lap-by-lap data. You'll see that he's running in the back for a large portion of the race, which is fine. There was really no reason to run inside the top 20 during stage one. Austin Dillon did not need to run up front during stage one. I think he did run up in front stage one. That's that's the clash. Sorry, he didn't. He ran in the 20s in stage one. No point going up there. Go up there at the end. But one thing that you'll see if you go through his data is that he was very consistent. He wasn't falling backwards. He was having good restarts. That's the other component that I would encourage you to look at. I don't know if I'm going to have time to do a video on that. But if you had the, the data in front of you, then you can do that and say, all right, well, guess what? Good pit stops, good restarts, data points that other people don't really know to look at and if they do know like oh yeah that's significant they don't have the time or don't want to waste their effort to go into it you're going to find unique plays that no one else is in especially in terms of the value department and when i look at this with austin dillon it looks like he may not have been the greatest on restarts but he was fine he was holding position he wasn't losing positions anywhere he was keeping positions and other people racked out yeah he did get a little bit of attrition but did he run where he's supposed to yes did he run well on restarts? Yes. Did he gain a couple spots on pit road? Yes. So, I mean, think about it. The worst case scenario, it looks like Dylan had a 15th place car. Now, let's say he's a 15th place car and he doesn't lose any spots racing. Okay, so he's 15th. He doesn't uh, lose any spots on restarts. Okay, so he's still 15th. Now, he's a 15th place car and other cars that are better than him wreck out. So, let's say five cars wreck out. Now, he's magically in 10th spot. Are you following me? So he's a 15th place car. He's doing everything he has to do to be a 15th place car. And then five of the cars that are better than him wreck out. So guess what? Now he is a 10th place car based on attrition. That's not random. That's not wild. It is completely within reason to expect, especially at a racetrack with the package that we have at Fontana and moving forward for top 15 cars to run into trouble be it on pit road, be it running into the wall, be it running into a wreck, it is not unreasonable to expect five top 15 cars to experience something that causes them to lose a lap, right? Kyle Busch gets dirt in his engine, you name it. It, There are so many things that can happen. So that's not completely random. Sure, yeah, well, that was a random event. That's possible, but if, if... if you know that ahead of time, and you do know that ahead of time, going into Las Vegas, the Austin Hill's a 15th place car. We also know that 
five cars in the top 15 can flunk out, which means he's going to get the 10th. But it doesn't stop there because guess what he can also do and what he also did. This wasn't random. It wasn't luck. He was a 15th place car who didn't wreck and then benefited from a positive four day on pit road. Give him four more spots and he finishes sixth. Now he actually what finished third, but that's a reasonable explanation for, oh, that's how Austin Dillon got to where he got to. He didn't make mistakes. He didn't lose any positions while running. He didn't lose any positions on restarts. He has a good day. And you compare that to a guy like Ricky Stenhouse, who was fast and looked great, but he was terrible on pit road. He was terrible on restarts. Let's see. Let's look at his pit road. Minus two, minus one, minus three, minus seven, zero, minus one, minus four, zero, minus 11, minus three. Stenhouse was bad on pit road. He was bad on restarts. He had a fast car. And so, whereas we see Dylan go positive, Stenhouse, who very easily, very likely could have had a top five day. Now, the good news is maybe he can clean that up. Maybe they can get better on pit road. And maybe he can get better on the restarts. But, again, that's where you go to sample size. And we'll know later on in the season, if Dylan's replicating that, then you keep playing him. And if Stenhouse continues to lose on pit road and lose on restarts, then you go in another direction. I like Stenhouse a lot going into Fontana. I did not like Austin Dillon at all. I like Stenhouse because of his car and his ability. That was correct. And he was better driving than Austin Dillon. He could pass. He could move. But when it was all said and done, the the bigger, different, you know, the deciding factor was not necessarily who's the best driver and who had the better car. It was more of the game plan. And the game plan was, all right, Stenhouse, you know, and I talk about this a lot with David versus Goliath, although this is not necessarily a David and Goliath situation. You know, this is David versus David. But if Austin Dillon and these RCR cars are going to compete, and we've seen RCR do this in the past with their AI computer pit roading system. If they're going to beat the top dogs, they probably are going to have a tough chance beating those cars, although their cars have gotten better. The ECR engines have improved. And they're going to have a hard time beating the Kyle Larsons and the Chase Elliotts of the world. If you try to fight them their way, you're going to lose. If you try to fight them on their terms, Austin Dillon's going to lose. So Austin Dillon has to go the David route and basically say, oh, Goliath, you want to fight hand-to-hand? Cool, I'm just going to use a slingshot and nail you in the face, knock you unconscious, and then cut your head off while you're unconscious. Oh, you thought it was going to be a fair fight? No, I'm going to cheat. And that's what Austin Dillon needs to do. Say, hey, I can't beat them on their terms. I'll have to beat them another way. And he found a way. And Daniel Suarez, one of his RCR allied teams, did the same thing. It's, hey, let's not lose any spots in the race. But by being safe, we don't lose spots. We don't hit the wall. And let's just make sure we have a clean day on pit road and we have good restarts. And then at the end, we'll see where the chips fall. And that's exactly what they did. That was exactly their approach, whereas the Stenhouse approach was, yippee, let's go for it, woo! And actually, he raced well. He didn't wreck his car out, which is awesome. But maybe they should have put more attention to, let's be a little bit faster on pit road. Let's be a little bit more smart about where we're lining up and what uh, lanes we're choosing. Stenhouse kept saying, like, I kept getting in the wrong lane. Well, pick the other one next time. It's like he picks the wrong lane every time. All right, I want to go to the inside. Well, then next time go outside, right? Do the opposite next time, Stenhouse. Maybe try that out, all right? I was saying, so value-wise, I am encouraged by Austin Dillon. Eric Almarola had a good day on pit road. Uh, this negative six, I believe, it would have had even better. I'm pretty sure this negative six was when he had a spin out if I am correct. I have to check. 
Double check. Or that might not have been the spin out, might have been afterwards. And so they took a little bit more extra time to just give the car a look over. You'll remember that part of the race. Uh, Brad Kozowski had a really good day on pit road. That's impressive. Um, Todd Gillen had a good day, which I means if you're looking for a punt, don't really, I'm right. You know, he stays on the lead lap, gets some spots, has a good restart at the end. He might be a punt that works. Cole Custer had a good day and a bad day. Uh, so I think that explains the Austin Dillon situation. Let's look at Daniel Suarez, his pit stops. I think his net gains might be thrown off here because of one really, really bad pit stop. Let's see, where is Suarez? Uh, he had a negative 16 on stop five. Really bad to start today, but closed out. So really, this, now again, got to be careful. We're inferring and implying a lot. His first five, six pit stops, he's losing a bunch of spots. He loses a ton. How many is that? It's 38 spots he loses. A negative one, a negative five, a negative four, a negative seven, a negative 16, and on a sixth stop, a negative five. It's quite possible that they were working on something, that they were making adjustments and making the car better. That We don't know that for sure. We can look at the specific times and see. Why not? We're here. Might as well look at some of these times for, well, it's not going to let me control F with the program that I'm running. But I'm assuming those are extend pit stops to work on it. And then all of a sudden they flip a switch. Maybe they finally got the car dialed in and it's all positive stops when you need them. Stop seven, two, eight spots gained. Eight spot gained. Doesn't lose, doesn't lose. And then on his final stop, he gains three spots. That's six spots. Same thing with the Austin Dillon. Suarez, probably a 15th place car. You throw some attrition in there. He doesn't lose on the racetrack. He doesn't lose on the restarts. Then you give him six more spots on top of that. That's how that happens. That's how you get those finishes. Again, it's a small sample size. We don't know if we're going to be able to trust these guys. But that is the explanation that I would take away from trying to really understand why. So, again, the idea is that Austin Dillon and Suarez, I think Jones's car was just good. I watched that race again. It was just good is the explanation. And I imagine most people have that stance now. But I would not be surprised if the sentiment around Dillon and Suarez is that they just got lucky because of all the cautions and whatever. Maybe they probably planned on that, but you need to also see that they did some things right. And if they do these things right at Las Vegas, they could be in the optimal lineup again. It wasn't purely chance. We can't completely rule that out. So there is going to be random tire situations, although I watched that race again, and I didn't really see too many random tire situations. Tyler Reddick blew his left side. I just think that's a, probably a part of his aggressive driving. You would expect him to brought. He blew his left side tire. You would expect him to blow his right side tire, but the left sides are also getting uh, a ton of pressure because they're lowering the downforces. Not much sidewall. I think they're still playing games with the PSI. You know, I don't want to just say fire tire failures at Fontana were completely random. You watch the spins and the wrecks, it looked like more driver mistakes all throughout the weekend. Um... My takeaway is that, look, it's a small sample size, but some of these guys did things right on pit road to help them finish where they finished. Let's look at the lap by lap. And you look at the lap by lap, you're going to see some poor races, but that's my understanding of Suarez. Almirola had a fast car. Almirola had worked his way back up to eighth place before he spun out on an aggressive restart. 
and he gets back up there again. And once he gets up there, he gets the finish that he deserves. So that wasn't really a surprise. Kurt Busch, Kevin Harvick, those guys struggled all race. And you're going to have a hard, like, let me see, I'm looking more at value. Let's see what Custer did. Cause I like Custer a lot. Custer was running up near the front. I believe Custer has a bad restart and then no, he loses all these spots on pit road and that kills him. Custer was, one bad pit stop, man. One bad pit stop. He was running in the top five, was having a really terrific day. And then here on lap 160, he loses a bunch of spots on pit road. Don't know if that was a slow pit stop. Well, let's look it up. Lap 161. Do I have any of them sorted by the number? Yeah, I do. All right, we'll scroll down here to lap one. Well, that's not where I want it to be. I want it to be over here because I want to see the exact time of the custard. Well, let me control F. It's not going to let me. Sigh. Um, I'll pull it up on the other screen. How about that? Actually, I won't. We're getting too deep in the weeds. You guys can look into that on your own. Uh, you can see all this data. Eric Amarola so far leading the series with the most top 20 stops and top 10 stops. Average-wise, if we were to rank them, uh, I wouldn't really care. I would look more at Fontana and who had the best averages at Fontana. Maybe not – because Daytona, there just wasn't a lot of four-tire pit stops. And if I were to look at the averages from Fontana, from qualified stops, Austin Dillon averaged 11.6, Amarola 11.8, Reddick 11.9. Chase Prisco, I mean, that tells you right here with two of the three being from RCR and two of the four being from SHR, possibly these teams have figured something out right here. You got Ross or Alex Bowman, Ross Chastain, Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Austin Sendrick, Stenhouse. His average was good. He just had some really bad stops. He was consistently good, but never quite good enough. That's interesting. Uh, but also I think he had, some, had a couple extended pit stops. Maybe this was helpful. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm on to something. Maybe I'm not. But right now where I stand, I think Austin Dillon wasn't – I mean, I was not on Austin Dillon. I missed on Austin Dillon. I was, you know, he wasn't in the optimal lineup. Not a big Austin Dillon fan. Most of you know that. But I see an opportunity – with a lot of people saying, I'm not playing Austin Dillon, he got lucky. I don't think he got lucky. I don't think Suarez got lucky. I think Custer got killed by this pit stop. I loved Custer all week, and he raced really well. Did a lot of things right. He got buried there in traffic with a negative 10 on his ninth stop of the day, and then a negative 3 on his next stop, and never could rebound. I mean, he had really good... So, he has these good pit stops that put him up near the front. And that's how he gets to the top 5. Over the first 6 laps... His average is plus 12, right? Over the first six stops, plus five, plus two, zero, plus three, minus four, plus six. And then he's throwing a decent restart. He's a top five car. The problem is he had all this good start, or all this good pit stops at the beginning. And then he had a couple of bad ones at the end. And then he doesn't get the finish that he deserves or that he possibly needed. Dylan was consistent throughout the whole race. Daniel Suarez was the opposite of Cole Custer. Daniel Suarez struggled early, maybe because they were doing adjustments. And then he had the good pit stops at the end, and it made all the difference in the world. Uh, one thing that we have to say for certain is you can't ignore this data now. If this is more in the driver's hands, then there's going to be more wrecks, and that means more pit stops. And we also think if it's more in driver's hands, it's going to be less about equipment. That means the field is going to be more even. So what is going to make the difference? 
pit stops are going to make the difference. You're going to have to look at this pit stop data. And if you want this pit stop data, thanks for joining me here at the Fantasy NASCAR Podcast 507, by the way. Let's get to 100,000. Let's get to 100,000. I'd like to get to 100,000 views on YouTube as well. Raceforthepries.com. That's where you go to get to everything. Brandon Cruz, you click on that big red thing there. Patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Please support the content. I hope you appreciate the content. Big things coming. That's all I will say. Been holding this one back for a while. Big things coming. Anyway, patreon.com slash Brandon Cruz DFS. Raceforthepries.com. I appreciate the people who are checking out the blog. You don't have to, right? You're busy. You got Netflix. You don't need me. You got Amazon Prime. You don't need me. You got 3,000 channels. You got Spotify, iTunes. You got 13 podcasts that you're trying to keep up with. Maybe you read a couple books here and there. You don't got any time. But maybe you want to check it out and see what I'm writing, see what I'm thinking, seeing my nullius in verba. Take no one's word for it. My heretical website that, you know, if I would have posted or at least acknowledged when I had my old job, would have been fired. Some of you will read this and say, this guy's a lunatic. He's crazy. I am a lunatic. I am crazy. And I will be the most viewed fantasy NASCAR analyst. And I will be a top-selling Amazon author. It's going to happen. I'm putting it out there. Positive vibes. You got the positive vibes. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't question things and we don't doubt ourselves. You can doubt yourself and be happy. You can also not doubt yourself and be really happy. And if my brain was capable of doing that, I, de- I definitely would. But I really don't want to do the, the psychotropics, which definitely will. If you want to stop doubting yourself, you want to start quest- stop questioning yourself and questioning everyone around you and questioning authority and get along with people and be complacent, there are a lot of psychotropics, you know, pharmaceutical ones. Now, I'm not saying go out there and hit, you know, escape. I got something in my eye. Uh, you don't have to go back and, and hit turn off the default network and reset your brain with uh, psychedelics, although you could, which seems interesting. I'm not going to do that. I feel like that would completely blow everything up in my life. But uh, if you don't want to do it but would like to read about it, then I would suggest How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. So for people like me that are scared to do that and don't want to do psychotropics, it's at least cool to understand and he goes into the whole the science and the history of psychedelics, not necessarily psychotropics, but how they get rid of all that um, you know, craziness in your mind. But I try to harness the craziness. I try to harness the voice, the doubt, the questioner, the the you know, nullies in verba. Take no one's word for it. Take Don't take your word for it. Don't believe in yourself. Don't trust yourself. Try to use that to build better fantasy NASCAR content. And that's Really, all of the wildness at the constrained vision is uh, the mind of a lunatic. Absolutely. So if you want to see pure inside the brain of, you want to get deeper into my madness, that is where it is. But most of you probably satisfied with the fantasy racing and fantasy NASCAR madness that I present to you. I mean, you look at these spreadsheets and all the data and the crazy stuff that's going on. It could only be created by a madness. And I am mad. Make no mistake about it. But it's fun. It's exciting. It's entertaining. I hope that I... It's entertaining for me. It's a wild ride for sure. Um, I feel bad for those that are around me. I feel bad for the people that I make miserable because I am a mad man. And uh, you possibly are, you know, a couple dislikes here and there. This is good. That means I'm reaching a bigger, broader audience. So keep the dislikes coming. Keep the feedback. 
That's how I come up with ideas. I try to come up with ideas on myself. I don't, but like your constructive criticism, your ideas help me and channel me and focus me. I can't think of everything. If you got something that, like, hey, I don't know how to do this, but here's an idea I was thinking of. Throw it out there. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it. But when I see something like, yeah, that's a really good idea. Why haven't I done that already? Like when the guy said, you know what would be better than just average pit times? It'd be better to see like these specific net gains on specific stops. So I did it. I'm doing other stuff. Got a lot of other stuff in the background, moving parts that you don't know about yet, which you will find out about soon, which are going to be awesome, interesting, cool. Thank you for watching, subscribing, sharing. No one is still with me because you only watch for about 15 minutes and then peace out. But like the five of you that do, you guys are awesome. You're the best. You're great guys. And even if you don't go to the Patreon, staying for the whole video is kind of a cool little deal. So let's trip the lights fantastic. How about it, huh? Yeah.